the Dancepreneuring Studio, Session 18, How to Work Creatively, Efficiently, and Inspire Others. Five, six, seven, everyone, and welcome to the Dancepreneuring Studio. I am Annette Bone, and this is the place where dance inspires life and business. We will be bringing you some of the best and creative minds who are connected to the art of dance, and they will be sharing their stories, ideas, strategies, and tactics to move your life and business forward. Thank you so much for joining me. This is Sarah Blakely, owner and creator of Hype Dance Studio in California and choreographer. You're listening to another session of Dancepreneuring Studio with Annette Bone. It's profitable to be skillful and wise. Welcome to this week's Step to Success. A step to your success is anything that moves your life and business forward. Whether it's an app, a book, or an idea, you can apply something today that will help you succeed. Do you remember the first time you tried to ride a bike or do something that required a lot of repetition before you mastered it? It's definitely the case with the dance classes I'm in, especially ballet and the classes that have specific technical vocabulary. And I'm finding such gratification doing things over and over again and seeing the progression and, of course, getting feedback and guidance along the way. But it's just been such a cool experience being in that environment again and knowing that it is necessary to do these repetitive movements so that I could get better. And with dance, with a sport or learning a new skill, of course, it's going to take repetition and it's, it's understood that it's going to take some time to get better at things. However, in your business, you can find that repetition can take up a lot of your creative time and your creative flow and energy. So if you can, I would recommend to stop spending so much time on the repetitive tasks. And the step to success for this week has to do with having a process and systematizing the repetitive tasks that you can either do on a certain day, or you can outsource it, hire it out. And What this will do is it will help you focus on what you need to do to grow your business, which I'm sure that is what you want to do, and then also provides a document and a foundation for a standard operating procedures manual or just even if it's just a simple document. And over time, that is going to add value to your business. You can do, like I said, a simple Excel sheet or a Google document. Just start with something to start documenting everything that you do in your business. Or you can use something like Sweet Process, and I'll link that in the show notes at AnnetteBone.com forward slash zero one eight. And 
This is a great piece of software. You can try it for free. It'll help free up your time. And if you have employees, you have something that um, you can document for a future employee should they leave. And so that cuts down on um, training time as well. And then also it will reduce the errors and things that you might have to redo again because you have it documented. So go ahead and check that out at the show notes at AnnetteBone.com for slash 018. And just remember that with anything new that you're learning, obviously the repetition and the guidance along the way is going to help you get that much better. But if you have things that you are doing repetitively in your business, systematize those, get those down on paper or whatever works for you and get that standard operating procedures document and process started. And now life and business connect with the dancers dialect. The dancer's dialect is the dancer's language. I'm going to share dance terminology across different genres so you can see the correlations in your life and in your business. Okay, so I'm going to date myself when I talk about this initially, but it will make sense, I promise. If you guys grew up in the 80s, do you remember there was this game that had pictures of chain links and you had to move the box or like the sides around in order to make the chain together? And it, I guess I kind of think of it as a chain link Tetris. Now, Tetris is dating me, too. <laughs> so anyway, I grew up in the 80s. And so there's I don't even know what the name is because I and I couldn't find it. I saw pictures of it, but I couldn't find it. But anyway, it got me thinking of today's word in the dancer's dialect, which is chenet, which is a French term. It means chains or links. And it is a ballet term. The step is used in ballet. It's used in jazz. And. I remember the first time I learned Shanae turns a long time ago. And like with everything else, you learn it slowly. Your feet are up on demi point. I know we talked about demi point in a past session where you're on the balls of your feet and you are turned out and you're going in a straight line across the floor. And they're, when you do them fast, they they that's the point is to get to do them fast. You have to spot your head. You have to focus on where you're going. And in order for these turns to be successful, you have to keep everything tight and pulled up, uh, like we've talked about before, where your core is engaged, your, your shoulder, uh, the backs, your lats are engaged, and your arms are also tight. So there is some resistance there. But also, you want to move as a single unit. So you're not like flailing all over the place. Your body is not twerked in a weird way, if that makes sense. And so I've linked a video in the show notes of a Shanae turn being done. It, um, and you can go to AnnetteBone.com forward slash 018 and you can see what a Shanae turn is. And so I <laughs> I just thought of the this game from the 80s. It just came to my mind when I was thinking about Shanae turns. But also with Shanae turns and the importance of it moving together cohesively, all the, you know, all the, everything within your body being cohesive and together made me think of being an entrepreneur. You have all these things in your business that have to work together. Even if you're a solopreneur, you have all these 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 things in your business that need to work in tandem, but to collectively to move together to move you forward. And so it's really important that you identify things that may not be working as well in your life and in your business and see what you can fix and see what needs to be kind of pulled together so that things can work cohesively. So 
in life and in business, keep everything moving in one unit as much as possible if you can so that things run a lot smoother. So anyway, if, if you guys find the name of that game, I if you could let me know, that, that would be great. I actually would like to buy it. Now that you're warmed up, get ready to go full out with our feature presentation. Have you ever had those conversations where there was so much great stuff being talked about that you didn't want it to end and that you could listen to the other person for hours? I certainly felt that way with my next guest, Sarah Blakely, and I felt like we could be in a coffee shop just talking and I could just be listening to all the great things that she had to share. And I know I've said it a lot. (laughs) I've said it quite a bit that I just am so thankful for these guests that I've had on the podcast and just their generosity and sharing their stories and their tips and just adding value. And so talking about dance, talking about business together has just been so great. And I'm so thankful again, as I've said, and this probably won't be the last time you hear me say this. So anyway, talking with Sarah was fantastic. And you're going to love listening to the things that she has to share in our interview. And she is the owner of Hype Dance Studio in Northern California. She is also the founder and director of award-winning fusion dance company. She is sought after for her choreography by numerous professional dance teams, nationally ranked college and high school dance teams, dance studios all across the country, recording artists and various commercial industries, and of course, so much more. She is a current choreographer and instructor for the NBA Sacramento Kings dancers and is a former dancer and choreographer for the NBA Golden State Warriors dance team. She is also a former UDA head instructor and a current choreographer and master teacher for UDA varsity. She is a veteran judge for national dance team championship and also UDA college dance nationals annually. Sarah is also the co-creator of the annual dance musical called Believe, and it runs during the holiday season in Northern California. Sarah's vision and specialty in dance production choreography has been awarded and recognized throughout her career. Her work and devotion to education in the dance industry has established her voice with her students, colleagues, and professionals. Hype Dance Studio has been a successful business in the Chico area since 2003, and the award-winning Fusion Dance Company begins its 11th year on the competition convention circuit and has over 60 members. Another thing that I want to share about Hype Dance Studio is that it has been named one of the top 50 dance studios by Dance Spirit Magazine, so I think that's pretty cool. I think you're going to get a ton out of our conversation. We talk about dance, of course. We talk about how Sarah started her business, her day-to-day operations on how she works her business, and um, also just the great community and camaraderie and work ethic she's been able to instill in her students and her staff. I hope you enjoy our conversation. love that you model community, camaraderie, positive attitude, and a hard work ethic within Hype. Can you tell us a bit about how your own dance training developed these principles and how did your mentors model these qualities for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, first and foremost, I think that having a studio in a community and, and retracting yourself from that is probably the craziest thing to ever like happen. I think that if you are going to have a dance studio, you're not just there to teach kids 
the art and the craft of dance, but you're there to like share it with the people around you. And granted, some studios are really small and they're in small, small communities. Some studios are huge in large communities. Regardless of that, it was always really important to me to make sure that these kids and everybody here at the studio that's learning, and we get to basically, we just get to share what we're doing with everyone because really it's just a cycle of exchange of like everything. It's everything good. Everybody in the community um, they want to see entertaining, you know, performances. They want to see what the local, what is going on with local business. They want to see community. They want to see kids, all of it. So it's, that, that is really, really important. I think that, you know, um, when I was growing up, I grew up in Long Beach. And um, so I had kind of like an interesting, like, you know, journey through dance myself because I came from a place where um, my my mom and dad gave me a ton of exposure to the arts, a ton of exposure to music and dance. And I immediately clinged to it when I was a kid. And um, growing up in Southern California, I had so much exposure and so much, you know, opportunity kind of around. I was at different studios and I ended up at a studio um, in Downey that was incredible that had really such a huge influence on me, which was um, Studio C, um, the Casper family. And they um, took me in and I was just in heaven. Like, I, you know, you just find your click, like you, you click with something when you're when you're that age. And um, I really, really, really kind of started to really, I think, shape my my future. Um, and I think not just as the craft of dance, but just how my mindset was, like what I thought about it in the industry and all of that. And so then it was interesting because um, when I was in junior high, my parents moved my brother and I up to Northern California. And so um, at that point, we literally went from this huge industry, you know, just lots of energy, lots of opportunity kind of constantly going into a smaller community. And we're north of Sacramento, and it was complete a complete difference for me. And so when I got to Chico, I still was like, you know, of course, wanting to continue all that. But I ended up um, taking a different route. There wasn't at the time that much available for dance in Chico. Um, so I kind of, you know, did my best to get what I could in, you know, in the town itself and in the, in the surrounding communities. But my parents um, just continued to like, let me kind of continue on the convention circuit and keep going outside to get as much as I possibly could. But I think during that process, I, I really learned what it was like to have the both of those worlds. And it shaped, you know, me to what I am now and my vision for my studio now, which is to give a ton of exposure to these kids and really continue to do that, which is I can get into later why, um, you know, I, I, I bring up choreographers and we, we do a lot of traveling and all that. But at the same time, really, really, really implement ourselves into the community. It's just really important. Um, I think that that creates a really strong sense of camaraderie. Um, I find that with dancers, like, you know, in any sport has their kind of their, their challenges. And, and, and in dance, um, you really, really are training individually and you're really trying to work on yourself and your craft and you put so much time into that to become better at your craft physically. Um, but I think that the mental side of everything and, um, really like the social side of everything is also really important. And it's important to, to, for me to create, um, a sense of team with these kids and a sense of family, I guess, is more the better word. And when we do that, and that that camaraderie is there, their physical performance becomes 20 times better. I watch it all the time. Whereas if we were kind of, you know, embracing just the individual growth, that dancer might be phenomenal. And granted, you're always going to have dancers that excel kind of outside of the, the group. But at the same time, like most 99.9% .9 of the time, all those kids excel better together. And I think that for me growing up, again, like, um, you know, the different studios in, in L.A., but then mainly at Studio C, we, we had that sense for sure. Um, again, at the time, 
I mean, it was just, it was the 80s and everything was just kind of emerging. MTV was just exploding. Like, talk about, you know, excitement and, and opportunity for dancers was just absolutely just on the table all of a sudden. And so that energy and that excitement in me and um, what my teachers gave me at the time, again, lots of exposure, lots of opportunity, I think just kind of, you know, stayed with me. And um, I really believe in making sure that the kids understand the dance industry itself, like what's going on now, they're exposed to so many different things than even, you know, I was at the time. I mean, now they have, I mean, a million conventions they can attend. They have, I mean, access to YouTube at this point. I mean, they've got TV shows, they've got videos, they've got everything. They can look at it and have quick accessibility at any time. And I think it just really fuels them. And so I really embrace that. And I guess I just want to continue to like, I try to balance them with having like a really positive attitude with all of that accessibility sometimes in this generation can, can, you know, really get confusing because they, everybody's like, well, I can go get that. I want to go get that. And, um, you know, granted a definite sense of like entitlement has come over. However, at my studio, these kids know that hard work, positive attitude, and just like a solid work ethic is really at the end of the day, the only thing that's going to get you what you want. And if there's, you think there's any shortcuts, there's just not. And, you know, I think that, me again going from two different worlds like having one world of dance and then completely like getting it taken away from me at that time of my age of you know I was so young and I was so upset but I I look back on that now and that was my path that was my journey and like it really influenced the way that I feel like I can bring that to the kids now because again everybody's from a different environment but at the end of the day dance is dance and we're just here to share it and get it and make it better and you know, make ourselves better and use that as a tool for life. And I just, I really firmly believe in that. So we definitely, we definitely have that going on here at the studio. And um, I've got a, quite a few mentors from that. You know, I really felt that even in that short documentary on your website. And I thought, oh my goodness, what a great place to just get not only the really good dance training, but you're just nurtured completely developing your, you know, your artistry. I love that. And so even just from that short video, Sarah, I really was impressed. So oh, thank um, you. Thank I'm, you. Real, I'm really excited to get into uh, more of the stuff that you're going to share with us. And I love that your philosophy at Hype is not about getting dancers to fit a certain mold. And it's not about getting the perfect dance step. But you were also talking about the importance of getting the feeling behind it and what it took to get there. How do you teach your students that? Can you give me an example? Talking about also the, you know, the going to these competitions and being exposed to all these different things. How do you empower your students to perform at their best? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I feel like sometimes in dance, because you're talking about technical you know, breakdowns of each movement, for example, and, and everything from ballet to contemporary to hip hop to tap, like everything mm -hmm. is so specific, which is how you develop your craft. And that is really, truly how you get to a place of, you know, getting better and all of that. But sometimes when you're breaking that down, dancers can start to think so much and just get so wrapped up in just that step, which, you know, is what rehearsal is for. But when it comes time to actually like, performing that, putting it on your body and like letting it sink in. There's obviously, there's so much more of a delivery when there's an emotional backing behind it. And I think that what I try and teach the kids is that, you know, everybody has their weaknesses. Everybody's got their strengths. Our bodies are anat anatomically not the same. Somebody's going to kick higher. Somebody's going to hit this harder. Somebody's going to drop to the floor quicker. Like there's all those aspects, but I let them embrace those, those challenges and those strengths. And I actually, we do a lot of kind of transparent teaching. I mean, to be honest, like 
my class in particular, like I'm just a very honest teacher. I'm really nurturing, but I'm extremely, really, really blunt. And I think that I find, <laughs> <laughs> I find that my dancers and parents like here, like have learned, I hope <laughs> to appreciate that. It's just who I am. And it's just, I feel like, um, now at this point, I can say, Hey, listen, like so and so's, you know, doing this in a different way. And so and so's doing this. And yes, we all need to look the same, but everybody needs to find their, 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 you know, emotion behind this. Like you got to pull something from it. And that's a very common thing, of course, in any kind of, you know, craft, um, acting and dancing and singing and everything like that. But I think when it comes to this, I, I think that one of the most helpful tools again is, um, kind of, um, a nurturing transparency, I guess I could I like say that. in teaching. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's, I find it to be really helpful for the kids. Um, even like at the hardest time of their lives, God bless them when they're teenagers and you know, they're, they're, they might be getting a little bit like unsure of themselves or they're, maybe they're battling self-confidence or self-esteem or whatever. I think it's a good approach. And, and again, it's not harsh. It's just honest, but the, there's that nurturing, loving heart behind it. And we all kind of get better that way. I think that, you know, oh, Getting dancers to feel something is, if you think about it, each of us as individuals in life go through our own journey of everything. So you can't, as a choreographer, I can come in and say, hey, like, this is my piece. This is how I'm feeling. This is where this came from. This is what the story means. And this is the concept. I need your body to look like mine because I want this piece to be my story. And as dancers, that's your job, regardless if you're learning or if you're hired a professional, no matter how old you are, who you are. Now, as a student, though, like part of the growth, I think, that for them to get better at what they do in all aspects is for them sometimes to have that opportunity too. So even if I'm not allowing them to, let's say, choreograph, um, which I actually do, we have, uh, we've had in the past, we've had like student choreography showcases, which are amazingly awesome, like for the growth of the kids. But at the same time, I allow them to take their own personal experiences and take my movement and let that be something for them. And what ends up happening is that they end up looking right. You know, they end up looking the same and, and, and are looking how I'd like them to look, I should say, but they actually felt something behind it and their performance has so much more of a delivery. Um, and then of course you got to take, you know, the trials and tribulations of the year of the season and the dancers and what they've won and what they've lost and what they've gone through as a sisterhood and all that stuff too kind of helps. But I don't know. I just am a firm believer that like, Everybody deserves to have kind of their own expression through their art. And um, regardless if you grow up to be a choreographer or not, it's still in there. Like if you're a dancer, there's still no way possible that your own emotion won't be implemented into your movement. You'll never be. It's impossible. It doesn't even make sense. You'll never be that robotic dancer. Even if you, even if you look like one, you would never really truly be that because something as an artist has to come from within you. It doesn't come from anybody else. And so, um, sometimes I've like, I've definitely let, let my students in on a lot of my own personal journey. Like for example, gosh, after my mom passed away, um, this is about five years ago, I was just absolutely, you know, stunned in, in my life. And I, I couldn't find any artistic creation or expression or anything just because I was going through my grieving and, and everything. And then when I finally did find something that clicked for me, it wasn't very long after actually. And I got a group of students together and I just got personal with them. And I just said, Hey, like, are you okay going through this with me? Because this, this part of me choreographing right now and putting it on you is like my therapy. This is like my absolute like heaven right now. And if you guys are down to do this, I might cry. I might be happy. I might, this might be, you know, extremely emotional. Are you cool? I talked to their parents about it. 
And it was a great group of kids that really just dove in and did that with me. And I think that they appreciated and learned from my, again, transparency in that. And I'm, at the end of the day, that's kind of just really what art is. I mean, what kind of, no matter what kind of artist you are, it just comes from you again. So, yeah. I love that you foster that. You have that, like we talked about, the community, the camaraderie within the studio, within your instructors, and modeled that for your students. And just the whole, just, you know, talking about dance and art and just anything artistic, that human vulnerability aspect of it is so important, like you were talking about. And I love that you give your students an opportunity to experience that. And I really appreciated that you shared that about your, you know, about what you did with uh, the process with grieving about your mother. And I know she was very instrumental in getting you to launch your studio. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and about working with your brother on belief? Sure, absolutely. Oh, yeah. So I was to start with my mom. You know, the cool part about my mom when I think about dance, like the first thing that comes to my mind is that when I was little, again, I was just immediately connected to this. To Like it was just my life. As I was three years old, it was just what I was going to do. Wanted to do nothing else. Did a few other things, but always came back to dance. And my mom, the coolest thing about her is that she always, she A, always allowed it to be fun. And of course, you do that for the little, you know, when they're really little. But even as I grew older, things became possibly more serious or I was really challenged by this or I wanted this. She was always just, she always had a great attitude. She just really made it feel fun. She was always my advocate for whatever I wanted to do. And she pushed me, she made me, you know, recognize hard work. She pushed me, but she definitely also, I think she would always say, you know, whatever you're worried about right now, whatever you're stressed about right now, at the end of the day, this is not going to matter. You're still on your journey and enjoy it. Like, enjoy it and just share what you have, share what you what you love. And she was, of course, again, I was her daughter, so she's always going to be slightly biased, but she was very, you know, you've got something to share. You've got something to give. Give it and enjoy it, and you're going to get that back. And anyway, mm-hmm. um, my father was in, uh, was huge in that as well, so all of my family. So and um, when my mom and I decided to, um, well, when I decided that I was going to start the studio, my mom was just a huge part of that. Um, she helped me write my business plan. She... When we opened, she was working the front desk. She was managing everything. She was doing my books. You know, I was young when I opened, and um, it was really nice to have her guidance and her help and her support at the studio all the time. And I think, too, for people in general, like all the families that were coming here, they definitely felt a sense of family because my mom and I were a team. And I think it was a nice a nice thing that everybody felt like they could come to me, but they could also just kind of go to my mom. She was like the mom of the studio. So that was amazing. And then with with my brother, um, my brother's, um, I have a younger brother, and he is a musician, a recording artist, a producer. Um, he's been in music his entire life, and so talented. He's just so extremely talented, and I love him to death. And uh, him and I are very close, and we've always wanted to do something creatively together. Um, and we were both kind of in different fa- or, you know, in phases of our lives with you know careers going here and there and trying to work things out. And he was touring for a long time. I have children. He has children. So we were all kind of just, you know, trying to make it work at one point. We had talked about collaborating on something for a while. It finally came down to, it just kind of spurred the moment. One day, I don't know, something just clicked. We realized that the timing could be right. We went to lunch and I think within five minutes we created the concept for our show Believe, which is such an amazing show. Um, it's, it's, um, it's basically a, dance production with live music, not all live music, but a lot of music and some original music 
that was inspired, the storyline was inspired by the story of the Polar Express. And so we run that show during the holidays and um, we just, we've done it now for the second year. And um, we just have had such an, a blessing of success with it in our community. And we have a cast of like 70 dancers and every, you know, from ages of gosh, five all the way up to adults. And it's just, we, again, we've done it for two years in a row. And it's just been such a blessing. And working with Jeff is so fun because he's this musician and I'm the dancer, but yet we both, I think, growing up with each other, obviously have ears and eyes for each other's craft. So everything we do kind of goes, goes to like this next level. And we've really enjoyed it. Um, you know, working with, with him creatively is probably one of the biggest gifts I've had as, um, in my career, just creatively. It really, it was really something special. I'll never forget it. It sounds like a great production. Is there, are there any video links of the show that we can look at? You know, I don't currently have any video links up, but that's funny you asked that because I'm um, in the process of redoing our website right now. And so we will definitely have that up very soon. Actually, probably by the summer, by um, the end of uh, May, we'll probably have all that ready. So great. Yes, it'll be out there. Awesome. So we're talking about creative collaboration and then just how instrumental your mom was in getting your business started. And so I want to talk about the creative part of running your business, the teaching, the choreographing, as well as the operational administrative side. Now, we talked a little briefly before we started recording this that I went to a dance studio recently where I was looking for some good ballet classes and I found this studio and I loved the class, loved the teacher, loved the, just the way the studio was, but there was one drawback, the front desk. They right. were not, <laughs> they, I, you know, I really tried to give someone the benefit of the doubt, but they just, I just think that if you have a client come in and there's the front desk is really important. It's the first impression. What would you say um, about, you know, would you give some tips on how you create a great first impression for your clients? And so they have a positive experience and they want to come back and take class at your studio. Yeah, absolutely. You are so right about that. It is absolutely 100% the first impression. I think regardless if of word of mouth, performances they've seen, website, advertisements, whatever, it's still the experience that, that, they're going to remember when they first walk in. So, you know, I think the first and foremost thing is that I always talk and I have some really great ladies that work for me and a studio manager who's amazing. And I always talk about the fact that this business, this, this business of owning a dance studio is a highly, and I say this in a good way, but it's a highly, a high maintenance customer service based uh, business. And when I say high maintenance, I don't mean because of people, the, the people, I mean, because really what you're dealing with is customer service on all levels at all times. And it's not just the shaking of the hand type of customer service. Here's, here, you know, here's my business card. Let's have a seat and chat. This is talking about everything from the smile that you receive at that front desk to maintaining accounting, to making sure that people are receiving communication and keeping contacts with, you know, the families that are paying the money to have their dancer, you know, their children dance for you. There's a high level of that. It obviously continues to go beyond the front desk as well with instructors keeping in communication with the students, of course, but mainly also with the parents. And I think that in general, that in that entire experience is a huge circle that needs to continuously happen. It just keeps rotating. And when you're talking about the front desk, I mean, there's the very simple things, you know, things need to look clean, things need to look presentable, your information needs to be out there. You can't have, um, you know, the receptionist or whoever's working your front desk, even if it's like 
a student who's helping out for an hour. Nobody needs to be, you know, chowing down on a burrito. Like, <laughs> in my opinion, like everything <laughs> just needs to be like, hi, I am here. I've got a smile on my face. We always tell like everybody who comes to the front desk, you know, or I'm sorry, everybody who's working the front desk throughout the years, I've always said, you know, this is not the kind of environment that you need to walk in and like slacks and heels and, you know, be ready for like this huge business meeting. But at the same time, you need to look presentable. You need to not look like you just rolled out of class or rolled out of bed. And I think that in general also too, you know, we have to, the front desk needs to remember that the customer is coming in either one of two ways. Usually it's one of two things. They're totally educated on your business and your studio and they know about dance and they just want to like get things going or they're completely like, hey, I really need some information. I'm, I heard about this, but I'm not really sure what's going on. Can you help me? Um, and so at that point, I think that the front desk person just needs to really be able to just kind of cater to whatever the, the individual needs at the front and also understand that sometimes people are running around, they've got kids in the car and they're, it's five o'clock traffic and they're cruising in and they just want to grab a schedule. And I think that just whoever works the front desk needs to have a good read of people. They need to be socially kind of aware of, of everything that's going on within the, the front lobby or whatever it looks like. And they need to be a really smiling, happy person with a positive attitude. I mean, very simple. And you know what? If they are stressed out, the front desk person, because usually that job is extremely tedious and, and um, very detailed with account entries and data entry and papers going here and registrations going here and enrollment issues and people missing classes and phone calls coming in. I mean, it, it's a very, it's kind of a big job, really is. You know, I think that no matter how stressed you are, no matter what, that absolutely can never show no matter what. If you need to like take a deep breath and you just excuse yourself, go to the bathroom, come right back and put that smile back on your face. Because just like you <laughs> had your experience where you're kind of like, okay, I'm not really feeling, you know, whether it was you weren't feeling welcome or you weren't feeling informed or somebody was like in a bad mood. I mean, I'm the, I'm the worst person to ask about moodiness because I don't even tolerate it at the studio. I don't even tolerate it with my students. I'm like, it's totally fine if you're in a bad mood, but it doesn't mean you get to let your behavior show that. So everybody wrap it up. And that's the perfect example of a job front desk all day. Wrap it up. Yes. Yes. That's <laughs> so you have that part, obviously the necessary operational administrative part of running your business. And then there's the creative part, which is of course, the to me, it's just so much fun when I think about just the teaching, the choreographing, the creative aspect of it. Do you have a way that you divide that up? How do you how do you work that? How do you run your business so that you have both yeah. sides taken care of? This is a seriously a golden question <laughs> because <laughs> I know for sure friends of mine that own studios. This is one of the most difficult things to do. I think that. A lot of, I mean, it doesn't matter. For me, actually, I can just speak for myself. For me, I've learned over time that the best way to do it is this. I, I, cho I choose a certain day or days of the week that I get to come in and be 100% creative and I get to wear that hat. And I get to come in, I get to do choreography, I get to work on choreography, put it on kids, work on music, kind of like that. Then there's days where I come in that I'm just administrative. And like, for example, right now, um, just the, the way that I have my schedule, I have Mondays where I come in on Mondays and I teach, teach, teach. I come in early when I can and get choreography done again. I'm doing music, blah, blah, blah. And then that, when that Monday evening is over, I get to go home and I get to, you know, wrap up my creative day. But on, you'll see me on Tuesday mornings, the next day, I usually come to the studio when nobody's here and I will you know, make my bank deposits and I'll do my payroll and I'll, you know, get everything, all the mail done and all that kind of stuff. And 
check in with my, you know, my studio manager who's doing a lot of that kind of work as well throughout the week, check in with her and we have meetings on my non-creative days. So I think that for me personally, that's worked out really well. I didn't used to do it that way all the time. I actually learned maybe four years in, I was like, okay, this is not working anymore. I was changing hats all day, every hour on the hour. It was just too difficult for me. So I really um, enjoy this a lot more. I feel like I get, I can execute a lot, a lot better. That sounds like a really good way to, because then when you're, when you are in that creative mode, that's what you're doing. And you have, you have that complete focus and time to be able to give your best and be completely present and focused and get your best workout. So I think that's a really great way to do that. I think for any business, whether it's a dance studio or anything, I think being able to focus and prioritize, be intentional. I think that just helps you progress that much further. So I really like that. I really like that a lot. Yeah. And I let all the parents know too, like, or, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's really kind of helpful too, just to, just so you can let them know in the, in the beginning of your season and just say, Hey, just want to let you guys know, these are my days and I'd be teaching. I'm available for appointments on so-and-so day. But you know, a lot, a lot of the parents know that when they see me walking through the halls on Monday, I'm kind of beelining for the, for the dance room with with my computer in hand, they know that I'm not really available for a meeting. They know I'm going straight through my creative process. So it's it, it works out. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And that and that goes to uh, another thing, which you know, I get from you too, is that you communicate very well with your instructors, with your staff, with your students. So they know exactly where you're coming from and things are clear. I try. You know, <laughs> yes. it's, I really get that impression from you, Sarah. So I think oh, that, thanks. that I hope really, so. I'm so I'm not surprised that you have the successful studio that you have. So it's awesome. Thank you. I try. You're welcome. I try my best. (laughs) What can you share that has been most helpful that you've learned working with the various dance teams that you've choreographed for in comparison with leading your own dance companies and then also just teaching classes in your studio? Yeah. Oh, goodness. You know, I've been really fortunate to be involved in the dance team world for quite a long time. It really just kind of, I I got into it when um, I was 17. I was asked to join um, Varsity, the company Varsity, and teach for UDA. And um, at that time, I really, right out of high school, learned a lot of goodness. Well, of course, professionalism in the dance world, but also to just that side of it. Again, not having come from that as a kid and growing up in more of the studio world in the industry, then, then moving into that was really, really nice. And basically, you know, nowadays, the dance team world, it is definitely kind of varies in different parts of the country. But I can say that overall, dance team and studio dance have really merged a lot more. Um, I think that those two worlds have blended a lot more in the last, especially 10 years versus how it used to be. And, you know, there's, there's, there's some huge differences between the two worlds and, and then some similarities. And I really feel fortunate that I get to be a part of both of them. I think that with dance team, you know, you're looking at a group of kids that stay together, um, usually about the same age, whether they're from a, a school, or, you know, like a high school or a college and, you know, or even a professional team. And they stay together throughout the entire season and they, you know, work towards very team-like goals, which are performances and competitions, just like normal, you know, or studio dancers would. But in the dance team world, there's a lot of like focus on, I mean, dance team really stems from also like the entertainment value for sports is kind of really how that all emerged. And of course, like, you know, it went from just being cheerleading, then a dance team really emerged. And it's so respected and I love it. And it brings a lot of enjoyment to the crowds at whatever, whether it's a basketball game or, you know, again, like I go and judge 
you know, national dancing championships and national uh, college nationals for varsity in, in Florida every year. And it's absolutely stunning to see what these people are doing. They're just so incredible. These athletes, they're dancers, they're amazing. But creatively, you know, you're looking at a lot of like, I don't want to just say symmetry, but a lot of like entertainment value and visuals and formation changes and transitions and levels. And like, there's a little bit more of a breakdown of score, if you will. Um, whereas with studio dancing, the interpretation is left to um, a little bit more open. So, you know, you're just going to get a different vibe. And with the dance team world, I feel like for me personally, like I've been able to take those two worlds and I try and actually, this is funny you ask that because I do um, choreograph and work for and clean and do a lot of work for dance teams. When I go into their world and I go into, let's say, you know, a school, I come in and what I try to implement what I do with my students at home, which is a little bit more of the artistic side, a little more of the emotional side, a little more of all of that and put that into dance teams so that I can get the best of all of that for them. And then when I go into my studio kids or, or other studio kids, I try and take some of the dance team elements. And it's almost for me at this point, not even something I consciously do. I think it's just by nature because I've been involved in both worlds for so long, but I, I really go, okay, like we got to look at, you know, the breakdown of this, we got to look at the, the levels, we got to look at the visuals, we got to understand the entertainment value of this. And I try to, I think what it's done is it shaped my brain in a creative way to have the perspective of the audience member a little bit more versus always just the perspective of the creator, if that makes any sense. So I'm really trying to like, you know, create for myself, of course, but, but more so for the projection of like, I don't know, the end result of what I want for people to, to take from it. Um, that's kind of how I, I choreograph. Um, and, and granted, again, there are a few moments in my life where it's only about me and, and my expressions and my feelings. But a lot of the time, I think, again, with my dance team influence, it's just been been that. And, and I get to do a lot of fun stuff, everything from like, you know, hip hop competition routines to really fun, showy jazz field routines to, um, you know, I work with the Sacramento Kings a lot. Um, I have for goodness, eight years now. And um, I get to do, you know, really fun music, like just hair flipping, amazing, like fun choreography. I mean, it kind of varies. And it's, I feel really fortunate that I've been able to be a part of that world. I really think it's great because like you said, you're taking things that you're teaching in both environments and it's benefiting both of them. I mean, they're, bo they're, yeah. getting, they're really getting a great deal out of this too, because you're able to teach them something that maybe someone that's just in that world is used to. So I think it's a total benefit to both your students and to the teams that you're, right. you're choreographing for. So they, it's definitely their <laughs> to their benefit. Thank you. Yeah. It's so fun. I'm having a great time doing it still. Now, if people want to connect with you, where can they find you? People can find me. Um, well, hypedancestudio.com is my studio's website. Um, Hype Dance Studio also has an Instagram, a YouTube channel, and a Facebook. So it's all just at Hype Dance Studio. And then me personally, I have my email is sarahblakely at me.com. I also have my studio email, sarah at hypedancestudio.com. But I'm also, as far as social media for me, my Facebook is sarahblakely-hype. And my Instagram and Twitter is sarah underscore schnee, S-C-H-N-E-E. -E. Um, so yeah, them, I'm kind of all over, but, um, we, we definitely post a lot of stuff for the studio performances and all that. But if you follow me personally, you kind of go through the journey of all my travels and my, my crazy, wonderful <laughs> life. So yes. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sarah. This has been amazing. And I've learned so much just in our short time together. And I just think even if someone doesn't own a dance studio, a lot of this stuff is so applicable to any type of business. Well, thank you. I thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed talking with you. Thank you.
I try not to say I told you so? Wait a minute. <laughs> I have to take that back because if my husband heard this, he would be like, oh, I, I disagree. And so, yes, in my not so subtle way, sometimes I tell him I told you so. But anyway, that's a different story. I told you so. Sarah was going to be awesome. She's great. I'm so thankful that I got to interview her for this podcast. And my question to you now is, how do you work the creative side and the operational side of your business? I would love to get your feedback at AnnetteBone.com forward slash 018, where you'll also find the show notes to this session. And I would really appreciate it if you could go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio and give me a rating and review. That way I can continue to improve the podcast, give you a shout out and also help more people discover the podcast so that I would really appreciate that thank you and also coming up next week I think I'm going to talk about my experience at a business conference that I'm actually going to be attending later on this weekend and I'm sure I'm going to get a ton out of that so I'm excited to share that and more dance stuff with you so until then I pray that you have an exceptional week and more blessings than you can imagine. I look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you for listening. This has been a session of the Dancepreneuring Studio. Find the archives of this show at annettebone.com slash podcast or on iTunes. Contact Annette at annettebone.com. This podcast copyright by annettebone.com and dancepreneuring.com. All rights reserved. The Dancepreneuring Studio is the place where dance inspires life and business.